0: Welcome to the Building Confidence Podcast brought to you by KPMG, where we explore how reform can create deserved confidence in governance, corporate reporting, and audit. I'm Michelle Hinschliff, and I'm your host for today. And in this episode, we'll be talking about the Audit and Assurance Policy, which was initially recommended by Sir Donald Bryden, and it also features in the current base Consultation. Now, this proposal, if implemented, would really act as a catalyst to step up engagement between investors and audit committees. And to discuss this further, I'm delighted to be joined by Alan Bowen. Alan is the chair of the audit committee of Severstal, Russia's largest fully integrated steel company, and is also a non-executive director at Transport for Wales. And now Alan has really taken the lead in this area, and is certainly as far as we are aware, Sevestil is still the only company which has published an audit and assurance policy. Alan, thanks for joining us today. Now, before we dive in and talk about the policy, I thought it might be useful, Alan, for our listeners to understand a little bit more about Sevestil. Could you give us a a bit of a background on the company?
1: Yes, delighted to Michelle and thank you very much indeed for uh, giving me the opportunity of sharing some of my experiences. Now, uh, Severstal was founded in 1955 when they built a very large uh, steel manufacturing and processing complex in a place called Cherpovets, which is halfway between Moscow and St. Petersburg, or Leningrad, I presume as it was called at the time. Um, and as you said, it's a fully integrated um, steel manufacturing company in the, in the fact that we are ha- fully self-sufficient in uh, iron ore uh, We've got of 80 percent of our coking coal and nearly all of our electricity requirements, which actually means that uh, when you have a time of high commodity prices, steel prices go up. But actually, we, um, our costs stay the same. Uh, and, and so at the moment, uh, I mean, we're extraordinarily profitable with an EBITDA percentage for uh, published for the last quarter of 50 percent, which is absolutely un- unbelievable for any company, let alone a what you might call a traditional uh, steel company. Uh, it's got a fantastic uh, workforce and, and is really enlightened. It has a free float on the Moscow Stock Exchange of 22%. 77% is owned by Alexei Ordashov, who's one of Russia, Russia's richest men, but still only 54. So very much of the Modern school oligarchs, as opposed to some of the older ones, which I've also met. Uh, And it has its GDRs listed on the London Stock Exchange and has had so since 2006. So um, we have three foreign independent non executive directors, two two Brits and and, and a um, Finn, and two Russian professors. So we have everything, all the ingredients that you expect. from from a company, and if its market capitalization was put on the uh, premium listing, it would be in the FTSE 30. So, it, as you can see, it's a very large company. And we also export between 40 and 50% of our steel to the European Union. Although we only have now uh, processing and manufacturing operations in in in, in Russia. Uh, we used to have some operations in the US, which we sold about five six, six years ago. So that's a that that that's a quick heads up. The major issues. Uh, obviously facing us are climate change, um, which is the steel production, being one of the largest uh, producers of carbon dioxide and methane from from our um, coking coal mining operations. Uh, And and that's probably one of the biggest issues uh, that we face.
0: So Alan, thanks for that fascinating background on the company, but coming back to the audit and assurance uh, policy, what prompted you to decide to prepare one for Severstal?
1: Well, um, when Sir Donald Bryden issued his report, I knew that it was coming. And uh, this may sound rather sad, but I had it year marked for my Christmas reading in 2019. Uh, and, and I read uh, the report, which was very well written. And uh, there were a couple of things that attracted uh, or drew my attention in that report. Uh, the first was obviously the audit and insurance policy. Uh, and the second uh, was um, the fact that uh, consulting on risk uh, or risk, principal risk and personal risks are material matters in the case of severstar Actually, there was a third thing, which was actually that he was suggesting that all financial KPIs uh, should be audited. So actually for the year ended 31st December 2019, we included all the financial KPIs like EBITDA and EBITDA as a percentage of sales actually in the financial statements. So they were covered by the scope of the financial statements. But turning back to that, I thought this would be be a good idea because one of the things that we were trying to do was to, Raise our profile a little bit with uh, with investors, uh, and I thought this might be a way of doing that and getting engagement directly between the audit committee uh, and the um, and and some of our investors. As I said, you know we have quite a range of investors in our um, twenty twenty one percent in the UK, a lot in Europe and 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 some US investors as well, uh, and. One of the things that was quite interesting, so I said to my fellow non-executive directors, I think this is a good idea. You know, do you think we should go ahead? And also spoke to the the CFO and the head of investor relations. Uh, and they were very happy for me to go ahead on one condition, provided I did all the work myself. So I think one rather um, wet uh, week in, in January, I sat down and actually wrote it in about three days using, using what basically what was in the, the report and trying to interpret a few things, obviously, Everybody else that writes one will have a benefit of uh, good guidance from KPMG and other big four accounting firms, and from Uncle Tom Cobbley and all in the corporate governance world. But it was quite refreshing writing something from yeah you know, from scratch. So 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 that's that's why that's why I did it with those uh, particular aims in mind.
0: But brilliant. So um, when you were sitting there on that, that 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 wet day when you were writing this. Um uh, a policy could could you share a little bit around what you decided to include in the policy
1: well I mean the first thing was actually was in relation to to uh auditors uh now we had had um our existing auditors had been in place for almost uh, 20 years uh, and there's no um guidance in Russian legislation that actually for auditor rotation but I knew that actually investors expectations particularly obviously the European investors would be that uh rotation would take place uh, and I was having a little bit of trouble convincing you know some of my colleagues that we shouldn't just that they said well you know we're very happy with them why don't we just roll on but I, but I knew that that this might cause cause an issue so I had that in and now and, and actually what what actually happened was of course the investors said you should rotate and in fact one of the investors said we should disinvest I know that's getting ahead of the game a little bit uh, and, but it also allowed us, as we were about to have an audit tender, which ironically we're in the middle of at the moment, was the ability to set out exactly what our criteria was, and also then talk about uh, one, one of the things that we hadn't really thought about before explicitly, it was implicit, it was, you know, what's our view as directors and the finance team of materiality? You know, we're all used to discussing the auditor's view of materiality in financial statements, but not the... Used to discussing what we regard as material in financial statements. So that that was quite useful. Uh, And then, but I have to say, the most useful thing was actually then, was effectively the, which might be called the assurance map, was actually taking what our strategies were, what our KPIs were, and how the board got comfort um, on each aspect of our strategy and how it's going. And actually, for Severstal that was really quite uh, easy to do. I'm actually in the process of writing one for Transport for Wales, which is actually a, a less mature organisation, and and that's proven to me that uh, it, it's not quite as easy ex- an exercise as it might be with some huge gaps. So those are some starters of, of, of actually what, um, you know, the, the challenge of actually, of actually writing it.
0: So, so, Alan, given what you've just covered, um, and as I said at the beginning, the, the purpose of the uh, of the policy is to enhance engagement between companies and investors. So be keen to understand what your experience has been after you did publish this policy.
1: Yes, I mean, as you rightly say, Michelle, that was one of the, uh, the purposes of uh, creating the draft policy. Uh, and it's fair to say that actually we got a very limited response initially a couple of enlightened ESG type investors responded to our questionnaire with a bit of prompting and the way we did it was we had the draft audit and assurance policy and then after each section we had a number of questions asking for uh, for feedback and 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 so fairly shortly after we started i encouraged the um, investor relations department as best they could to use some sort of strong arm tactics uh, and said that I would, uh, you know, they could have a conversation with me as chair of the audit committee, which is exactly what I was looking for. So it was no skin off my nose, as it were. And and so I ended up doing about eight to nine uh, face-to-face conversations with uh, investors. It, it, it was quite interesting that they, they weren't really interested in challenging what we viewed as principal risks or, or material matters. Uh, either we got them right or, or or they there weren't any obvious ones that, that that they were missing. And generally, yeah, they were interested in, in all in all the questions that we've asked. We've we've touched on uh the audit um auditor process, but but actually there were there were the one thing that they were very interested in was both the scenarios in uh the proposed resilience statement uh and, and also those items that we considered as an audit committee that we might have external assurance on and taking the second part first so the, the items that we thought were most important ESG type items were the, the climate change factors which in our case is gross greenhouse gas emissions and also um, carbon intensity of steel so for how, how much carbon dioxide you produce for every tonne of steel that is produced and also as we unfortunately it's quite difficult to be a clean business in the steel making business how much um, nitrous oxide sulfur dioxide basically air emissions and those are the two things and that's important for our colleagues and people in in, in uh and um so those are two items that we considered sufficiently important and I, and the investors agreed with us they did challenge us uh on you know m- maybe water unless we had a good dialogue and said well actually water is not a is not a problem we're not a, working in a water stressed area uh we only lose about one percent and there's a there's a huge river that flows back and we put the stuff back in cleaner than it comes out etc and, and and there was a good debate with all all the people around where they felt and they eventually agreed with us on on what was important in relation to the to the resilience statement it was a little bit more um complex and a lot of the um people on the climate change wanted a um have a carbon tax uh scenario i mean the scenarios that we've got were you know that we put forward uh which we may change again now that uh, we have reverse stress testing coming in uh with the with the white paper is um you know what would happen if we were not allowed to export things and to see what the resilience was now given what i've said earlier obviously this is a very resilient company uh in the sense that uh you know we're the lowest cost producer of steel so in any reverse stress test or even any very big downside scenario we're going to be quite good because every other steel company's gone bust but there was a good healthy and robust debate uh, with with um investors in that. and that and and coming out of that yes we we took what they said on board amended quite a few of, of the things that they that, that they suggested i don't think it was anything that we rejected and uh, but actually then some of the things people suggested by the end by the end of the debate they were happy with what we'd done and didn't feel that they you know, because they understood the context better and i think that was the most valuable uh thing about it was was actually the ability to provide context
0: brilliant so from from what you've you you've said alan it seems as though the policy has i said maybe provided that catalyst for you to have Different types of conversations with investors, which no doubt can only be a good thing to to, to get alignment between the company and the in the investors.
1: Well, that's absolutely right. I mean, I, I recall actually one 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 of uh, one of the recent seminars I attended where a non executive uh, director said that she'd been a non executive for eighteen years, had never spoken to an investor, uh, and yes, I, I've actually spoken to investors, but generally at capital markets days, which tends to be you know social and relatively less and and unstructured. And uh, but having these conversations were, were really very helpful uh, for me, uh, the audit committee, and 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 management as well. And I, and I think they were useful for um investors as well. And actually one of the things that really surprised me was how little they actually understood about what an audit committee actually does. Uh, or even to a certain extent, what a what a board does, and 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 you know if we're talking about you know people with not a lot of you know they have they're not people in their sort of late thirties and forties. A lot of them were actually in their early thirties. So they, um, that's not a criticism in any way, shape or form, but it, they found it quite. Eye-opening to find out what, what we actually did, and to have an open and candid conversation. What, what the limitations, and what we what, what we could achieve, and what we were focusing on. And I think there was it was actually I felt a bit like a, a missionary for the role of the audit committee towards the end of the uh, discussions.
0: Great. So, um, so, so clearly, well, and hopefully, some uh, some uh, advantages for investors to enhance their understanding. But did did you or the audit committee or the board? Um, Learn anything new from the process? Did you find anything surprising as a result of going through this process?
1: a couple of things. I think we were reassured that actually what we'd um what we'd set out was broadly what um you know was broadly okay so 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 that that was that was very very useful and it's useful to get slightly different insights from investors as to what the more on the nuance sense rather than absolute. Uh, in what was what, what was important for them, and we were able to to, you know, to build that in. Uh, and I don't think that anything came as a as a complete shock, but it, but it was hugely useful useful in being being able to share what people thought. Because and coming from a fellow director, you know, the CFO obviously speaks to investors a lot. Uh, you know, the chairman speaks to investors, the investor relations. But the but the reality is that most the rest of the board has limited if no reac- interaction so it was quite useful having another individual uh, from another angle having interac- interaction with investors and the board found that, that useful because I was coming from a, a different standpoint to the other three groups that I've talked about so I, I think that enhanced the board's overall knowledge and, and outreach for want of a better phrase
0: Okay, that's great. So you, you referred earlier to um, uh, assurance, different types of assurance and to the external auditors, but uh, an audit committee chair who I was speaking to recently on the policy felt that it would rightfully bring more attention to the important work that internal audit functions perform. So did you cover internal audit in your policy or do you think there is scope to uh, to say more about what internal audit does?
1: I did cover internal audit policy. We have uh, an outstanding internal audit function. And I think, yeah, they are in number of organizations effectively the, the unsung heroes that came out of the investor discussion that, you know, they had little knowledge of what an internal audit function does. And that's certainly something that I'll be enhancing uh, in the next version of the um, Audit and Assurance Policy, uh, which will come out uh, this autumn, is giving the opportunity of, of, of Giving more disclosure about what areas and what what internal audit does, which, which to a certain extent would clog up an, in, uh, an, an annual report, but yeah, for if, but is a good opportunity for those who are interested, uh, particularly on the assurance side. And I, I will be beefing that up considerably. And there's a lot more, for example, in the transfer for Wales policy that I'm drafting at the moment, having taken that lesson on board. But definitely, I totally agree with you that uh, yeah, it should it should be it's all about the total assurance, not that just from external auditors. From 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 internal auditors, is a very important part of that matrix.
0: Okay, so so maybe um, Alan, if we turn to a a a couple of. Comments that I have heard uh, and that's come up in a number of discussions, industry discussions around the policy. The first one I think you've probably addressed, which was well, the investors don't have time, they're not going to engage. So certainly from what you've said so far, investors uh, have started to engage and and you, the experience you have found is positive. The, the second comment that's come out is some concern around uh, – what happens if something goes wrong? So if the, uh, the audit co- committee decides that they're not going to get assurance over something, um, sp- you know, specifically um, s- some area, they feel that it's not necessary, and if something happened to go wrong, that they feel they're put in, a, in an unacceptable position because they have publicly said, we decided not to get assurance. Did you think about that as you were drafting the policy?
1: I have to be honest that I didn't think about that because I think that actually, you know, whether you have an audit and assurance policy or not, uh, the facts are going to be the same. You whether know, whether you decide to have, yeah, you know, assurance, and then yeah, you know, by public not decide to have assurance by publishing a audit and assurance policy, or decide not to have assurance by not doing anything, you're effectively in the same same thing. So, so I thought it was actually. Yeah, you know, enhancing in 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 the fact that actually at least I as chairman of the audit committee know what a sample of investors feel about a particular issue, and if they had felt very strongly that that uh, assurance was needed, that would have given me the uh, the notice that perhaps I should change change my mind and uh, yeah and give it as as I say, it didn't really happen on this one, but I I, I fail to see why you know, Publishing and consulting on 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 something increases risk. I would have thought it actually decreases risk.
0: Absolutely, good 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 point. Maybe um, a, a final I'll um, uh, say concern that that I've heard is a fear that this might become a tick box exercise. So if we think about um, you know some other areas, viability is, is a good example where it that statement has become a little bit boilerplate, not specific enough. Um, how do we avoid this with the audit and assurance policy?
1: Well, I, th- I think the main thing is that it actually has, has, this policy has to be owned by the chair of the audit committee. Now, as I said earlier, I wrote it. So, I, so I'm um, responsible for every word that's in it. So I didn't have time to look up to find out any boilerplate, uh, and there wasn't any uh, at the time. So there is always a risk for these things, and you quite rightly point out yeah, the viability statement set off with with with, with high hopes uh, and i think you know the resilience statement is better and having to consult on the medium case scenarios uh, each year through an audit insurance policy should, should should keep it alive but i think you know there is there's huge value and like a lot of these initiatives in the early stages if they're done properly they will become routine over a period of time because at the end of the day Although we live in a dynamic world, it doesn't change that rapidly when you're talking about things like audit and assurance uh but but I think you know certainly for the first two or three years of, of of such an exercise, provided the audit committee embraces it and doesn't sort of delegate writing it to you know with all due respect to you know, to somebody that is not actually directly involved they they will actually lose out on value uh if they'll be making it boilerplate themselves and missing out on the value rather than really embracing it and giving clear guidance as to what they if somebody else is writing it what they what what they want in it and and how it's going to how it's going to be done so i, I think it's an option yeah, if it becomes boilerplate it'll be the it'll be the chairman of the audit committee's fault because they haven't embraced the concept properly uh, and actually will have n- not got the value that this of being got out of it if they if they are to sort of either delegate it or use it as a tick boxing a tick box exercise.
0: Good. So so Alan, you you, you touched on briefly then. Uh, I guess the forward looking piece. How, how often should uh, the policy be prepared? There's been uh, suggestions should look forward for a period of three years. Is that then an annual update or is it re- revisited every three years? What would your advice be?
1: Well, I mean, what Bryden said was it is a three-year rolling document with uh, an annual update. I haven't, don't think it's changed hugely in the white paper, but I see it very much as very much as that, uh, and and I think that's yeah, you know, I think that's okay. Certainly for the first three years, uh, because as I said earlier, I think it, you know the amount of change that might come come after the first and second version is probably less limited. I know there's a number of changes that I want to make. Having had the experience, you know, knowing what's happened since then, obviously having been through a consultation and then it, I've touched on uh, internal audit, and there'll be you know more in more in other areas as well. Uh, so, so I, I think years one, two, and three, and I'll look at it at that. I think then when we get to you know two thousand and you know, I don't know when when the dates are, but later on in this decade, it, it may may come to the point when it becomes more routine or you know. But, but I don't see that as just yet the value is in 80%, 70% of the value is going to be in year one and 20% of the value is going to be in year two. So I think at the moment what we need to do is make sure that companies capture that value uh, rather than actually trying to avoid it and making it too early a you know, box ticking exercise.
0: Thanks. So, so Alan, now for all of the, the audit committee chairs listening, who you've convinced that this is a good idea, and they're looking at the value they're going to get in year one, what would be your advice to them as they're setting out to think about developing their own policy?
1: Well, uh, interesting enough, as I, I think I commented earlier, that actually the SeversTyle one, being a relatively mature company, was actually relatively easy to, to write. Uh what the Transport for Wales one, which is still only draft and will be published for consultation on the 1st of September, uh, has indicated is that the board has still got quite a lot of work to do. You know, We've acquired, acquired some businesses and our assurance framework and you know, how we link through from our strategy, through our KPIs, through the assurance we get as a board uh, is incomplete. Uh, and we, we need, actually need to do quite a lot of work to, to, to actually get to a, to a, to a better position. Now I've been on this board for two years it's only a, it's a young company it's only been in existence for four years but it was through actually doing an audit draft of an audit assurance policy that it came home to me how little little assurance and information we got on certain areas which I'd almost take for granted as a as a board member without realizing that in fact we don't get an awful lot. so so I think for certain companies, particularly for younger companies or companies that have uh, made a big acquisition uh there's 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 value you know, value in that in being able to you know to to really work out where 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 your gaps are and then going back to the answer to the early question it does give the opportunity to show the progress you're making in maybe filling the gaps if you want to be completely transparent and honest which is uh what i try to be
0: B-b-b- brilliant look um Uh, Alan, thanks for that. You've you've actually covered many different areas. So we started with the audit insurance policy, but you've, you've touched on business resilience, you've touched on assurance and broader assurance around KPIs. And I guess one of the things with this policy is that it does pull together actually a number of aspects of uh, starting with the bride, principally the Bride and Review, um, which I think is uh, is is actually quite a helpful tool to see how all this comes together. But if I can ask you one final question, and if I ask you to to look forward five or ten years' time, um, and when you you you're sitting that sit, sitting there having written a number of audit and assurance policies by then, you look back. What do you think will be the biggest driver of change that's helped build confidence? In the uh, UK corporate reporting ecosystem,
1: well, I, I don't think it'll be the audit and assurance policy. I think we've had so uh, we had yeah, some excellent reports been been done through. Uh, we're now in the consolidation stage, you know, with yeah with w- yeah with the white paper, uh, and I think it'll be the combination of all these initiatives and the fact that yeah it, it doesn't get any easier to be a director of a Director of a board, but then just, you know, we live in a more complex complex world. So I think, in terms of directly answering questions, I don't think it'll be any one particular thing. I think it'll be implementing uh, properly uh, all of the things uh, that we've done. And and rather sadly, there will still be corporate failures. That's actually part of the uh, capitalist uh, free market uh, system, and there, and there will there will inevitably be fraud. Uh, but i think that by having you know the, the sorts of initiatives that have been recommended and will come through in the white paper those will it'll be a burden for the good companies but actually the bad companies should stand out in even starker relief and i think it's also a challenge to the investor community and i think that they're warming to the task that that that, that actually you will lose your investors an awful lot of money if you what looks like a good idea and, and and good talk isn't actually supported uh with with reality and i think having direct dialogue between chairs of the audit committee and um investors is a positive because then they can come to their own assessment about the you know, the quality of the assurance that they're getting from the audit committee outside of the chairman and the chief executive who they tend to meet regularly who quite rightly his main job is to uh is to promote the company it's my job as a director to promote the company but i also want to make sure that the company is is as straight as i can possibly make it so i think if that one thing of having direct of investors having more direct access to audit committee chairs i think that can only be a positive
0: great alan thank you so much for your time today and also for leading the way in um developing and publishing the audit and assurance policy statement um as we've said if, if i guess if people want to to get a, a, an idea of what it looks like then certainly go to the severstore accounts have a look online uh, to and, and take a read of the uh, of the policy um you've certainly covered uh, many areas today and are definitely an advocate for this um certainly but you know my takeaways, the, The advantage or the catalyst that this has provided to enhance engagement with investors, as you've said, can only be a good thing. Um, It shines a light on assurance and the role not just of external auditors but also of internal auditors. Um, And I guess one of the the key things you said, if the audit committee chair owns this, takes responsibility, we're not going to end up with boilerplate Um, policies we're going to have something which is very specific and relevant to the business so thank you so much for for your time and sharing those thoughts with our listeners today Uh, moving forward we've got many more great guests in future episodes who like Alan are also passionate about good governance and enhancing and building confidence in the UK corporate reporting ecosystem so please do subscribe to our podcast to get alerted when the new episodes are being published Thank you and goodbye for now.